This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Let's keep up the college football discussion, shall we? And let's welcome in from uh, 24-7, Brandon Marcello, joining us now here on the Blitz 1170. Brandon, what's going on today, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well. Um, We wanted to have you on for kind of a recap from everything that happened in Destin. And I know that uh, there's a lot that goes into that. But the major talking point was, of course, the schedule that everyone was waiting. And I I guess my first question that I would have is... I. Maybe I'm wrong in this. I'm fascinated by the breakdown in the schools that actually wanted nine games compared to those that didn't want uh, nine games that would prefer eight. And the more fascinating one to me is like Florida, right? From from you just look at how they've built their schedule here in the near future and what that means for them. Um, where, how did we get to the to the eight games instead of nine when you start looking at it from where we were, what, three, four months ago and all the talking points? Money. <laughs> yes. That's it. It's funny, uh, it's they, funny how that wor- rules everything, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's simple as that. ESPN wasn't willing to give them more money for the additional game in the inventory of an SEC game, or at the very least, uh, give them a final number of what that would look like. And so they uh, dragged the ball uh, across the field for a year, got to the goal line, waiting to see if uh, the fourth down call would come in and work, and it didn't work. And so they're sticking with eight games for another year, and it's just it's delaying the inevitable. There'll be nine games at some point. <clears throat> now, initially, some of those schools that were against the nine games, they did so because they honestly don't want a ninth game because they feel like it's going to hurt their bowl eligibility possibilities. Um, but in the end, when you throw more money in front of them and the SEC says, hey, we need to go to nine games because we want to be richer – they will jump on board, and I think they were ready to jump on board if ESPN communicated what that money was going to look like, and that didn't happen. So they stuck with a temporary plan for an eight-game schedule next in 2024. It's kind of an interesting time with everything that's happening from a media landscape. Um, and look how much it's changed even in a calendar year, right, Brandon, with what we know about the future of ESPN in, in terms of, of money uh, that's thrown out there. Um the significant challenges that ESPN and Disney has, it was, were there people inside the SEC that were just convinced that no matter what, they were going to get that money and dragging it out that entire year? Yeah. I mean, they thought that uh, this would kind of, you know, put some fire underneath them a little bit and get it done. Didn't happen. Um, But it was pretty, coming pretty clear here the last couple of months that probably was not going to happen. And, you know, I wrote a story, I guess the week before going into SEC, spring meetings that it looked more likely that they would actually go to an eight-game schedule, stick with an eight-game schedule, where everybody just expected they go to nine. Heck, a summer ago, a year ago, the thought was they would just approve a nine-game schedule. But guess what? They didn't because money. Mm-hmm. They still didn't get communication from ESPN at the time. They thought, okay, well, we'll get that done the next year. Didn't happen. The landscape has changed quite a bit. Streamers are hemorrhaging money. ESPN's laying off thousands of people, so is Disney, I should say. And so here we are. No one wants to spend a lot of money right now in the media landscape. You mentioned that at at some point it's inevitable that they go to a nine-game conference schedule. Um, Why is that inevitable in your opinion? Uh, Money for for, the SEC, number one, and number two, because ESPN – 
is going to want that additional inventory because they are the exclusive rights holder for the SEC. This isn't a ninth game that might be spread out across two or three networks. It's just ESPN. And also, at some point, the markets will cor not correct themselves, but, but rebound a little bit. ESPN will be more willing to spend money. Also, ESPN is trying to prepare itself to potentially bid on, <clears throat> or not potentially, but to look at uh, renewing its contract with the NBA here the next calendar year, uh, if not expand it. And also, there's some other things going on with UFC uh, and Endeavor and its ownership with UFC and also WWE. Remember, UFC is exclusively on ESPN Plus mm -hmm. right now. That's a big thing. Um, and then F1 uh, is another contract that's coming up. So ESPN's got a lot of, uh, you know, things to kind of keep its eyes on. And the idea that, hey, we're locked into this contract. And ES the SEC at the ninth game, we're all we're, you know, <clears throat> all we have to do is pay you what we're paying you. So why would you sit there and voluntarily give up money right now in this time when you're trying to save money and you're cutting jobs. It just makes zero business sense. So you kick the can down the road and try to reapproach it again next year because, yes, money and contracts are hard lines or whatever, but also the emotions get involved in it, business relationships. You don't want to ruin our business relationship over, you know, uh, what really is kind of pocket change. But, again, you can't really do that right now when ESPN's going through the couch cushions trying to get every coin they can get. So they are going to get more money at, at some point, at least everyone thinks so. Um, but in the short term, you do get what I think is still beneficial to scheduling in the SEC, which is uh, no longer this imbalanced scheduling aspect that they had where opponents don't play each other. Uh, even if it is for well, longer than what some people think, it is at least going to be nice to see them kind of incorporate some of this, at least for two years moving forward. Yeah, potentially. This is a one-year situation, though. And the idea, though, is that they would it would somewhat resemble what that 1-7 model would look like, which is one permanent rival and, and seven rotating. I say that, however, and but they're going to release a schedule here in eight days, and it's actually going to look more like three permanent rivals with uh, five rotating opponents, which okay. does not add up in the two-year plan. So, again, this is a one, this, they're hoping this is a one-year fix. Um, this is not the 1-7 model that's been discussed quite a bit. They say they're going to use some metrics, the strength of schedule, to, to figure out the other games. But they're going to try and get as much rivalry games on there because a lot of SEC programs, and for that matter, Texas as well, have secondary rivalries, and they want to protect those. And the biggest secondary rivalry of them all is Texas-Texas A&M and the renewal of that. And I guarantee you they are not going to not do that with a 1-7 model. They're going to use a hybrid this year, and Texas-Texas um, A&M will be played in 2024. The other thing, too, that has become clear on this and whether it's been you know, laughed at in the past from um, non-conference scheduling with teams, th there's a lot of teams that are in the conference, the SEC, that have made it a point to schedule up here over the next decade or so. Alabama is one of those. We've seen that for a while now with Oklahoma through their scheduling tactics, uh, Texas and, and what they're doing. Georgia's opening up with Clemson and Atlanta, finishing with Georgia Tech. Then in 25, you know, they've got UCLA along with Florida State and then Clemson and Ohio State amongst others. There's a lot of teams that are within the conference from just a scheduling perspective that in the next decade have kind of upped the game a little bit compared to what they used to. 
And there's a year or two there where Florida is scheduled right now to play nothing but Power 5 games, 12 games against Power 5 opponents. Um, and, again, Florida was up for the nine games. Again, that kind of shows you that this is just a money thing, that they're not worried about what they're really scheduling, their schedule being tough. you got to win the games that you're, you're, you're scheduling. Um, but, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of games that get canceled and rescheduled across the SEC and the non-conference. I mean, Mizzou, I believe, by my count, between 2024 to whenever they stretch through to maybe 37, they've got eight at least eight non-conference games, they're either going to need cancel or completely reschedule. And that leads the SEC. And Mizzou wants nine games. You would think <laughs> they'd want eight. Yeah. So, again, not a lot of this stuff makes sense. You're like, well, why would – I mean, Mizzou wants to win more games, right? Not some money. They, they're, they're, they're in line with the SEC. They're following what the SEC wants. It's just some others are, are trying to slow play it. So, um, it, it – What's interesting about that, too, the, not to get too into the nitty-gritty, some schools, including Arkansas, have these uh, uh, language in their contracts, these non-conference games, to get out of them without paying a buyout. And the language in the Arkansas contracts is, is explicitly states, and they started putting this in there three years ago, if the SEC changed the amount of games in our schedule, then we can get out of this contract without paying you a buyout. And so Arkansas got a handful of games that they can just knock off the schedule and not be penalized for. Uh, smart on their part to put that language in there and have the foresight to do so. That's pretty incredible. Uh, Brandon Marcello is our guest here. Is the criticism that you've seen from outside of the SEC landscape, is it justified in your opinion about not going to a nine-game schedule right now? Yeah, but I think it's misplaced and misinformed from the point that people go, well, the SEC is afraid to play a ninth game. It's not that. They they just want more money. This isn't a competitive thing. They're going to continue to be in the championship games. It's just they want more money. That's it. Um, it's But they'll hide behind this whole thing of, yeah, we're yeah sure, we're, we're afraid of the competition. Sure, sure, sure. We still want more money. That's all we care about. And uh, – it's what college athletics has turned into. I mean, the fans think it's one thing, when in actuality it's another. And uh, the, the 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 listen, I've watched how the sausage is made. And <laughs> it costs money. It costs money to make sausage, and the and the fans seem, seem to just enjoy the hot dogs on Saturdays. There is no doubt about that, uh, for sure. What what else came out that was of interest to you from the meetings there in Destin last week? You know, you know, real quick, they're discussing NIL like crazy. In fact, this week, I think tomorrow, a contingent from the SEC, including Nick Saban, are going yeah. up to Washington, D.C. to pretty much be lobbyists uh, for NIL, you know, uh, legislation. I, we'll see how that works out. Uh, probably will go nowhere because it's D.C. And um, <laughs> also, the SEC changing just some language in some of their transfer portal windows, if you recall. There were no interconference transfers allowed after February 1st, so you couldn't leave Alabama to say go to, to Auburn after February 1st. You can go anywhere else in the country. You couldn't do that. You couldn't go within the conference. Well, they got rid of that to match up with the NCAA language. So um, uh, it's going to be free, free, free markets once again in the spring season, and it's going to be a little bit even more dramatic in the transfer portal starting next year for the SEC. So I want to go back to the NIL uh, item for just one moment. I, I don't know about you, but um, it's become, 
it's become somewhat of a game to see just how many changes are blowing in the wind every time that a college football coach opens his mouth, whether it's Shrinkwitz, whether it's Nick Saban. It's all been incredibly complicated to try to follow along with. Uh, and for them to be going to Washington where they think that they're going to get uh, any actual um, firm uh, direction one way or the other about what happens here is kind of laughable to me. Yeah, very much so. And uh, what's even more laughable to me, and that's hilarious, is that Craig Sankey, the SEC commissioner, and others believe that, hey, if that doesn't work out, maybe we can go state by state (laughs) in (laughs) 12-state footprint and get some laws passed and tweaked that would match up and be uniform in the SEC landscape. Good luck with that. That ain't happening in your wildest dreams. Aliens could attack the country tomorrow and they, those states would not be unified in an IL language. They would still find something to disagree upon. There would not be any unification with that. They need Congress to step in, or this is how I see it. This is just me throwing this out there. They're going to keep doing this and doing this and doing this. They might get something passed. It's still not going to be good enough. They're just not going to get what they want. And here in the next five years, maybe even ten years, at some point, there are going to have to be some drastic measures taken. And I think that drastic measure that's going to be taken is you just see college football split away from the NCAA structure, from all that. And you might just see 36 teams in one conference or whatever, so to speak. They're the big boys. They're making all the money, and they've got their own set of rules put in place. It's a, it's a minor league system in a lot of ways. Otherwise, I, I, how do you get anything done in Congress, federal legislation? I, I don't know. That seems impossible. and They're going to have to do something on their own. And I think it's just a matter of years at this point now until they all wake up and realize they've got to do something very drastic to get it done. The amount of money that is just being wasted with trying to fight battles that they have consistently lost over and over and over again in the court system is beyond maddening to me. Um, which is why I laugh every time that there's a coach that has a comment saying something about NIL and say what you want about NIL or anything else, but we live in a perpetual nanny state where everyone's trying to tell everyone what to do, and the people that are telling Mm -hmm. people like, oh, hey, I think I know better what you should be doing to your money when they are part of the system that does nothing more than waste millions upon millions of dollars is 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 the uh, icing on top of the cake um, with with hypocrisy. It's so wild to me that they continue to do this over and over and over again and beat their head against a brick wall. It's the worst, best business model. And, <laughs> yeah, you know. College athletics has put itself in a position where they are so accustomed to spending as much as they have coming in, and they are absolutely trembling in their boots right now at the possibility that players will soon be employees, and they're going to have to share their own profits with them, and they are in no way prepared for it. Zero. No, they are not. We use a statement here uh, from Patrick Ewing way back in 1999 during the NBA player strike. He said, uh, we spend a lot of money because – we make a lot of money in terms of the NBA players and college football takes that same view that they do. We spend a lot of money because we make a lot of money and that's where the model is. And uh, it's been challenged and uh, they don't know what to do with themselves right now. Nope. And they haven't saved any money and nope. uh, it's, it's going to catch up with them. It's going, it's going to. And uh, but that's why they're fighting so hard to get some type of transparency and legislation done with NIL. So, they can start to wrap their hands around it. So when it does come to the day of 
you want to employ your relationship with us, well, we're going to dictate the rules with that, and we'll tell you how much we're going to pay you instead of you being able to dictate the rules to the new rules to us. Like they, you know, for, for reality has been is that they've been able to dictate the transfer portal. When I say they, I mean players. Mm-hmm. The transfer portal rules and NIL. Now college football, college athletics is trying to fight back and get ahead of it. And but. I, in my opinion, it's way too late. They're way too far behind. Brandon, good stuff, man. Thank you so much for joining us here in Tulsa. Always appreciate your work. Uh, keep up uh, all of that great stuff uh, there at 24-7, and uh, we'll be in touch again soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Thanks. That's uh, Brandon Marcello joining us here on the Blitz 1170. So I have some homework to do then. I need to go back and look. Matt, do you know what a cause for celebration was? at the University of Tulsa when they were able to accomplish something that they so desperately coveted. And I am speaking of scheduling Arkansas to visit Chapman Stadium. Is it because Arkansas would only sign a six-year deal where they... It's like... Five at Arkansas. I mean, one at home. It's been that way forever, and I remember the day that it was announced, and it was such a celebration, and people were befuddled. The fact that wait a minute, we were actually able to get Arkansas to visit the University of Tulsa. I need to look now. Tulsa future schedules, <laughs> in what year that this actually is. Uh, happening because I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, so they go to Arkansas in 26, and then Arkansas with the return visit in 27. It was a massive celebration. Like, oh, my God, Derek Gregg and the crew, they were able to get this done. And if the rule changes where Arkansas has protected themselves the way that Brandon talked about, where it doesn't cost them to get out of any game like that whatsoever... Oh, buddy. Oh, to have it just ripped away. Might be a riot at TU. That is that is <laughs> something to keep an eye on for sure. All right, it's 221. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more next here on the Blitz 1170. Thanks to Brandon for joining us. Uh, do you want some J audio when we come back? Yes, please. And the hypocrisy that was the PGA Tour next here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.